This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Goodwin's massive win keeps United's deficit thin. And the D are back on track thanks to Zach and Jack. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy. And podcasting alongside me this week are Alan. A win, a win. I've seen a win. Temple. Hello. Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And up for a battering from our bros, Ewan Smith. Hi, hi. I'm, uh, I've not brought any smokies with me today, though. As long as you've got some stats. I should explain, George isn't here this week. He, uh, Dundee going to the top of the league and then extending their lead at the top of the league. He fainted. So he's recovering somewhere. Get well soon. But the thought crossed my mind coming in here today with Ewan, who has a liking for our growth, Alan, who covers Dundee United, and long-suffering Dundee fans bear and I here, is this the Kunsel Semi podcast? <laughs> you two hope not. Because it could be twa up, twa doon. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> Alan, you were meant to shout, no, no. I'm not getting carried away. I've got carried away before this season and it's all come crashing down, so. Aye, Ugh, we're allowed to get carried away and I'm going to, you know what, you know what I thought, it's at a time of the season when results are everything for United, can you take a lot of encouragement from their performance? Because watching most of that game, I thought, if, if United had won games in the lead up to that game, they might have had it won, you know, after an hour or so, eh? But you understand why they were a bit anxious in front of goal. Yeah, it's not just about the three points, which were obviously the, the be-all and end-all, but if United were to pick the manner of a victory, you almost couldn't pick a better one in terms of boosting morale, creating a bit of belief, and just feeling like, a great escape's possible because... Sorry, I should have said the beat Hibs 2-1. Yes. For, for those who were in another country at the weekend. Indeed. Um, to win it with a 91st minute penalty kick is going to be an incredible boost. And the fact that that penalty kick came two and a half minutes after Ellie Ewan fires inches wide from uh, being cleaned through... Talk about kind of sliding doors moments of the season. That is no exaggeration to suggest if Ellie Ewan scores that opportunity, I think Dundee United get relegated. I, I really, really do. The mm -hmm. importance, uh, if they had been five points adrift at the bottom of the league and suffering the morale blow of losing that football match in which they played well again, I just I don't see how you would have come back from that. And to then go from getting a point to three points, it is a, it's a roller coaster and the atmosphere at Tannadice after it was phenomenal. Um, they're now going to take a big crowd to Motherwell. There's a sense of cautious optimism I think you could probably call it and it was it was merited it, don't get me wrong it wasn't a completely dominant display Hibs had opportunities they had more shots than Dundee United but Jim Goodwin readily admitted that he balanced risk and reward and evidently the reward of getting a first win in the league since January the 2nd overcame the risk of losing yet again so went 4-3-3 played Aziz Behic as a left winger which was really effective look to get as many balls into the box for Stephen Fletcher as possible and it all all paid dividends. Stephen Fletcher scores one great header and another long throw into the box. See Stephen Fletcher win the, the penalty that, that, that ultimately wins the game. Everything Jim Goodwin kind of fairly um, bravely set out came to fruition and paid dividends but um, it's 1-1. It's 1-1 and um, it should be taken as a platform. There's now seven games left, which is plenty of time to make up the three points to Kilmarnock in the guaranteed safety spot. So um, it needs to be that means to an end rather than anything to get too excited by. But I think we can, uh, in this room, we can kind of allow ourselves to enjoy what was a, uh, a, a really important afternoon for Dundee United because we've certainly had enough miserable ones of late. Yeah, Bear, I don't, I don't want to go down the stats or you know theoretical route do you keep much, do you keep stats no nah, i never did <laughs> just made them up when i needed one um alan mentioned kilmarnock there now if you look at kilmarnock's season statistically 
they get no points from their two games between now and the split because they've got Celtic at home and their home record's been everything, but it is the old Thunder playing. And then St Myrna away, Kilmarnock don't do much away from home. So it's real. There's something there for United to aim for before the split, whereas for weeks we've been saying, just keep it within one win mm -hmm. between now and the split. And suddenly, I mean... It's amazing that one result the reason gives you reason for optimism and look for optimism. Yeah, I, I'm always ultra cautious when you just start looking at other teams' fixers going, they're not going to pick up any points and these couple of games coming up and we're going to get six. You must uh, be the only Dundee fan that doesn't look <laughs> at other teams' fixers. <laughs> but yeah, they have got... And Alan says had they lost that game on, on Sunday, they were relegated. They were uh, St. Johnson doing them no favours yeah, by getting beat at home at Ross County. But I even think I've only pick up a point. You know, the the fact that they don't really take a huge morale boost from that. Um, obviously, they do get a point closer to Kilmarnock, but, you know, it was it was an unbelievable win in, in the context of a weekend of results where it put Dundee United playing on the Sunday at lunchtime under severe pressure, Tom. Yeah. You know, and you saw that in their performance as well, there were times in the game where, you know, obviously right at the start, Nisbet misses a great chance. I think they've got to give credit to the goalkeeper who's been slated a lot this season for making mistakes. He keeps mm -hmm. the ball out. He maybe didn't know too much about it, but he kept it out of the net. Um, and you know, you know, get a great goal themselves, Stephen Fletcher, textbook header. Uh, and then you think United are doing well, but then Hibs get a, do get a foothold in the game. They get their equaliser, look like they're going to go on and win the game. But, you know, to get that, that break at the end, you know, I saw it coming. I saw it, you know, the, I, I think it might be a throw and a knock in, in headed ball into the box. And the, the young defender, Fish, has shown unbelievable naivety not to be aware of what's around him. But the other side of the coin is you get an experienced man like Stephen Fletcher. He sees a penalty kick from a mile away coming. He sees this big centre half is going to launch this, try to launch this ball out of the park. I would just need to get there, a touch in front of him, and mm -hmm. it's a penalty. And it was, and you know, it spoke with Jamie McGrath, high school, and he had to be because he's taking a penalty kick against a man who's got a decent record of penalty kicks. You know, um, David Marshall, we've seen that he's done well for Scotland in the past in a big game, um, saving penalties. Uh, so yeah, he stayed cool, and what an unbel unbelievably big win that is for United. And I do see hope for them now. And there's there's two words, maybe four words, two words, Stephen Fletcher. As he's Behich, you know, yeah. they show that they can play under pressure. Um, well, that's what I was going to say. Suddenly, United as well, they haven't done well in pressure games yeah. this year, but the pressure of the results yeah. the day before, the pressure of the injury time penalty, which was unbelievably coolly taken, mm -hmm. suddenly United have shown they can cope with it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, and they do have these two quality players as well. And I was, I, I was tough for Jim Goodwin. Because I thought, he's, I think it's about the first time he's been smiling. At, you know, he's, I still remember him walking off the park at Easter Road that day when his last game yeah. for Aberdeen. And, you know, he's, he's had a real tough time of it. Uh, so it was good to see him with a smile on his face. And yeah, you know, you can take real heart. They've got Motherwell on at the weekend. You know, I don't think Motherwell are the world beaters that everybody's making them out to be. Sure, sure, Kettlewell's done a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they're a team that... United can go there and think we're not going to get anything here. There is an opportunity here to, to build on that result. Um, and as you say, the, the fans will be behind them again. There's a bit of hope there, but it is just a bit of hope they're still at the bottom of the table, Tom. Yeah, and you and as well as dealing with pressure, we're suddenly talking about United players playing exceptionally well at the weekend. Stephen Fletcher, as he has been most of the season, but the young boy Anya, and as Alan points out, bet surely in a position he stays in, for the rest of the season, you would imagine, because United have lacked a bit of creativity. But they've got they're going into the Motherwell game on Saturday with, with guys playing well. Yeah, I mean the the guys that you're pointing out there, Stephen Fletcher and Beach, what I saw from the earlier in the season, I, I, regardless of how poor Dun United were or the results, those two players always stood out for me. Um I was pleased to see Stephen Fletcher getting the captain's armband and Ryan Edwards absence as well in the team uh, because I think that he's led from the front literally all season for Dundee United I mean he's put his body on the line I mean I think did he turn 36 recently 
Um, and he's Dr. Young man, eh? yeah, but I mean, it, he's, he's played week in, week out. He's been battered, he's been bruised, and he's got up and he's he's got in there again, and played again. And um, I think if you're pointing finger or blame at people of, for underperforming this season, you cannot pay, pay, point that finger at Stephen Fletcher. Bech as well has been uh, sensational. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a very very top level player uh, in this division. I would argue argue that he's one of the one of the best players in the division, to be honest with you. Um, defensively, he's not as sound as he is going forward, which makes it even more of a managerial mm -hmm. masterstroke to put him further forward. So, yeah, real quality. And the way McGrath took that penalty uh, under pressure, um, yes, yeah, there's a lot. And I'll go back to what Alan said earlier about the almost almost a season-defining moment uh, when... When you when Hibs have a great chance to score, they could win the game, and then you go up the park, and then you win a penalty, and then you put that penalty away in the last minute. You send the fans home feeling with a feeling of euphoria, um, and and then and then that carries on to the next game. Um, I don't. I, I'm bringing a broth into this, but this happened to a broth a few weeks ago against Morton when it was a penalty to Morton in the last minute. And then I both saved it, and at that point, I genuinely thought that's that could be a season-defining moment because it's the way the crowd are with the with the team at that point. It's the way the players are feeling when they're coming off the park, um, and they carry that on, and that could be the difference for Dundee United. And suddenly, like you say, you're looking at the fixtures and thinking, Motherwell away and Livingston at home, and then County have got Aberdeen at home, Hearts away, and Hearts you would think might pick up the new manager bounce. Um, and Kilmarnock get home to Celtic and then away to St Martin. I'm suddenly looking at it and thinking Dundee United could actually be in 10th place before the split. Yeah. And just to be my grumpy self, Alan, I noticed that Fletcher's goal on Sunday took him to eight for the season, which is getting into Stephen Fletcher territory, but he offers so much more than goals. And there's that, still that frustration that if they'd have got somebody to play beside him, where could that have been in the league? Yeah, it's some of the, I mean, I wouldn't say it's been widespread, but he hasn't been immune to criticism this season from, from some portions. And that has staggered me because the, although opinions are opinions, I watch Stephen Fletcher and don't think, I will don't understand how anyone can think this isn't a guy who quite clearly has bags of quality, can bring others into the game, has wonderful technique. However, he's completely isolated and can't do everything on his own. Mm. That is That has been the story of Stephen Fletcher's season. Everything he's done has been in spite of the lack of service and lack of support he's had. It's not been... Uh, he's, he's not been missing lots of chances. He missed a few chances against Aberdeen. Uh, that's the first time I've ever watched Stephen Fletcher and thought, oh, he was wasteful today. The rest of the season, he's just not had any chances. Um, mm -hmm. But however, he's been creating things. He's been influential. I absolutely maintain there are not many better traditional number nines in this division than Stephen Fletcher. He is absolute quality. And yeah, I always <clears> think <throat> with Stephen Fletcher, if Stephen Fletcher gets into double figures and you've got the right man beside him mm -hmm. or playing just off him, you're looking mid-20s to 30 goals from the pair. He's he's never been a prolific goal scorer, ever in his career. He is a, he's one of the most technically um, adept strikers Scotland has produced in the last 20 or so years, that's Stephen Fletcher's quality. He brings the ball down, he brings other people into the game, he has power, strength, but he's never had the pace to run away from someone and he's never had a 25 goals a, a season season. So uh, there's nothing about this season that's been a, a surprise. The only surprise is how badly Dundee United have used him for the majority of it. And Jim Goodwin has come in and made it a priority to get bodies around Stephen Fletcher and whip balls into the box where even if he's not necessarily scoring the goals, he's causing enough havoc in there that the people running into the box can pick up scraps, can get shots away. So And he's this, involved in goals. Isn't yeah, he? this stuff isn't this is stuff isn't isn't, you know, difficult tactical stuff, but it's stuff that Jim Goodwin has done well since coming in. And and Stephen, he's just such a, Ewan's great in what he says about the captaincy as well. He's such a such a big personality. You know, you speak to him after the game and um, for better or worse, if you were, uh, if you were a PR person, I suspect, the, the man answers straight questions with straight answers. And I mean, you've got... Is he, that why you never put him up, you? <laughs> he was, and, and he was talking about, you're talking about the Will Fish situation, uh, the penalty, and Stephen Fletcher basically says, as soon as that ball bounces in the box, 
says, I'm winning a penalty. Because he knew he was going to get the touch of the ball first. He knew that the defender was going to dive in and he knew it was going to be a penalty kick. That's as the ball bounces in the box. That's the that's the difference that experience, quality, vision brings you compared to a young lad making his way in the game. That's what you bring Stephen Fletcher in for. And um, yeah, he's... Uh, uh, and, and aside from that, you know, very candid about the fact that the whole squad feel fitter at the moment. Um, I think that's probably easy to use that as a stick to beat, say, a Jack Ross or Liam Fox with. But I would point out that with every football club in the country, conditioning and fitness is a collaborative effort. The sports science department. So maybe don't nail just Liam Fox to the cross at the moment. You know, it's evidently something's changed there in terms of the workload that's been putting on put on the players and I think if indeed and I've got no reason to doubt that Stephen Fletcher would know his own fitness levels haven't played at a wonderful level um, that, that he's not telling the that he's not accurate then I think there's a degree of blame that can be spread out there um, but what is for sure is I've not seen Dundee United hard running in the 91st minute the way they were against um, Hibs uh, for many times this season so I do think there is something in the fact that right now they do look fitter, stronger, more determined and able to go deep into games rather than conceding late in the second half which was a theme we touched on earlier in the season mm -hmm. so you know maybe joining the dots as it were I'd also say about Stephen Fletcher Tom before we move on um, he's he's been the man that's been leading the, the line doing a fantastic job he's been the man that's been taking the hits He's been, you know, he's a physical type player himself. He hasn't shirked away from that. He's been taking knocks. And, and as, as Ewan says, he, he's just turned 36. United have, what is it, seven games left. Fingers crossed that Stephen Fletcher manages to get through those. There's nothing to suggest he won't. No. But, I, 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 you know, it would be an absolute nightmare if, if something happened, you know, and, and, and he couldn't play, he couldn't lead that line because I don't see anybody else, you know, Carrying the same weight as Stephen Fletcher. He really, he, he really does look in great nick. Yeah. You know, he, he really as a does. As a credit to him as well. I, I was going to say that in, in, in these days of sort of modern technology, modern sports science and stuff like that, players, if they steer clear of serious injury, tend to go, can go further in their 30s. We can see that dotted around Europe uh, just now. But strikers are still the ones that get kicked. Mm -hmm. And it's hard, it's hard for strikers to stay fit well into their 30s not pick up things that slow them down a bit, isn't it? Well, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, also with that, you know, you can talk about sports science, you can talk about technology, but it also does take professionalism and drive <laughs> to stay in that sort of nick at 36, and uh, Fletcher, Stephen Fletcher's clearly got that. It's attitude as well. We were, Alan and I were both at a game uh, pre-season against Fleetwood Town, and you remember in that game, Stephen Fletcher, I think he possibly broke his finger, Alan, or something mm -hmm. like that in the middle of the yeah. game. And you went down, you think, oh God, this is their, their marquee striker signing and, and he's and he's down and he's out. But he just got himself strapped up and he was ready to go again and five minutes later. And some players would just say, right, I'm off now. But Fletcher's clearly got something about him. And at the other end of the pitch, actually to blow our own trumpets here, boys, I think it was just last week we were saying, it doesn't matter how many bad games he's had this season, Charlie Mulgrew being fit for last Sunday was good news because he's an experienced player who can handle previous mistakes in any campaign. Mm -hmm. I had him actually had a mistake in the game for the for the goal of God to say it was a strange cross. I thought the cross had actually taken a bit of a deflection. I seemed to loop mm -hmm. and, and I think Charlie misread it and got underneath the ball and you know, fine finish him alive. But Charlie's a shot about shakes shakes it off and he did, you know, he he, he, he marshaled, you know, United's, United's defensive line, and and again, he's a, he's another one. I think they're going to need Tam going forward, somebody with that sort of experience. Um, they seem to have cut out the bad goals as well. Credit to Jim Goodwin for that. The, the slack goals that they were giving away, teams are having to work for goals now. There's nothing, there's nothing getting given too easy, um, and that's a credit to what the manager's been doing on the training ground. But you need guys like Charlie Mulgrew who can implement what he's saying on the training ground on the pitch. And, and, and pass his experience on to the players around him. It's another bold call as well from Jim to play Charlie in a four as well, mm. you know, and uh, not only does that speak well to, you know, that's a, that's a difficult role for a 37-year-old. <laughs> you know, it really, yeah. it really is. You know, people say, oh, your, your central defence is central defence. No, a three, playing in a three is really a lot different to playing in a, in a four. You, you don't have that safety net, yeah. you know, if, if a ball gets played over your head or whatever. And, and Charlie dealt with that well. And I think that's a, a testament to his, because he doesn't have the pace, so he's using his ability to read the game yeah. and, and positional sense and that sort of thing. But 
and, and aside from that error, he, he played relatively well. But what I would say is it also speaks to a huge amount of faith that the, the club have got in Loy Kaina as well, mm -hmm. playing beside Charlie because what... I've been impre incredibly impressed. Oh, he's him. been superb. Oh. He really has been superb. And, and you know, playing in that four, what, you know, what you're effectively saying is, yeah, Charlie doesn't have much pace, but we have so much um, faith and confidence mm -hmm. in this absolute powerhouse, pacey young lad that we think he can cover in behind. We think he can be the, the guy beside Charlie and he's totally living up to that. He has... The, the only, the only you know, mark against his name is his decision-making will improve. He does sometimes make my heart skip a beat when he <laughs> dives in for a challenge or takes an early touch in the box. But I just look at Loikane and I think that's a that's a 2023 centre-half, you know, for modern football. Yeah. He's strong, he's um, fast across the ground, he has really good technique spraying passes, he's got the self-confidence to step out from the back. There's a real real player there and when he when he irons out those rough edges that every 19 year old centre back is going to have um, I think he could be something really good and he, he looks I think he looks ready to play in the English Championship next season I have to say if he goes back down to Huddersfield and, and they stay up of course but um, you know Dundee United's recruitment has taken a, a, a bash at times this season and, and I think understandably so I think there have been faults and you know perhaps more pertinently there's been gaps where mm -hmm. you know the right players haven't been recruited at all um, however they deserve a real pat in the back for this one because they have you know there was a lot of a lot of real cynicism and oh we've no signed a striker but we've brought some lad that's paid 38 minutes on loan from Huddersfield or whoop de do. No, no, they've clearly done their due diligence. They've found a talent. They've liaised with a, a former player in, in Mark Fotheringham at the time, and they've they've discovered a real a real wee gem there. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays in the running because having spoken to him a few times, he's a man that carries himself with the, the confidence and belief that I think he'll fancy this run and he'll fancy mm -hmm. a relegation battle and uh, uh, I think he'll stand up to it. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, as a shining through, very impressed. Like him a lot. I think we could tell. <laughs> How do you even have to sort of glazed look oh. at this? He's going, to, he's going to have a racket at Fur Park. I always do this. <laughs> <laughs> Two are you your own goals and a penalty, I guess. Yeah. Oh, don't. You, you used the word there, Alan, cynicism, and there's been grunts and complaints uh, throughout the season. There's From things, you. When things deteriorate. No, that's, that's, throughout, that's throughout life, Bear. Uh, when things have deteriorated from the United fans. But as ever, when United need them, they're there. Great support, both in numbers and in terms of the noise they created, and Motherwell are opening up extra areas of their ground this on Saturday. Yeah, we'll get a, a better sense come the end, end of the week in terms of what the exact numbers will be there, but um, with the fact that the Motherwell's website's been crawling, such has been the way they've been inundated with... Um, uh, ticket requests and the fact of opening up extra sections. I think we're going to um, have a really, really good following, and uh, that speaks volumes to, you know, this. Uh, to be fair, I, I'm kind of reluctant to say it speaks volumes to the impact of the Hibs game because there's always a good following, even when things have been yeah. dire and dismal. Mm -hmm. There's been a good following, but when you do have that little, I'm not going to call it a feel good factor. Let's not be silly. Still bottom of the league, but when there's just feel a less bad, yeah, exactly. When, the, when my you, kind of language, when you've got that uh, feel less bad factor, you, <laughs> you can get you know that, that's adding people. That's that's you know creating a bit more of a boisterous atmosphere. And what I would say is you know real onus on the players now to give them um, something to cheer about and a wee reward because uh, Dundee United have won one game um, in the league away from home this season um, back in January the 2nd they were pretty dire away from home in the league last season as well um, so um, it's I don't want to use the phrase long suffering because there's other fan bases that have suffered through more than the United's have but in terms of that away in, mm. in terms of <laughs> in terms of that away following um, I think it would be a real um, a, a real boost for them if they can see a, a big win and, and United will certainly be back to the hill that's for sure Actually just to uh, widen that subject it occurred to me the other day as well United will take thousands on Saturday Dundee 3000 at uh, Arbroath sorry I forgot the name of the ground there <laughs> you and I just I know the cost I, used to, I used to have to work there um, even even going further down Dunfermline, Falkirk, the crowds, they've mm -hmm. enjoyed this yeah. season. Now, the, the onus is on nobody but clubs like them, but it shows if these type of clubs are doing well, 
Scottish football is a better place yeah. for it because the the huff supports that will turn out. As I say, I'm winding out. My one worry about a lot of the clubs that have come up the pyramid uh, system in recent years is they've brought so much in terms of the football, but they don't bring anything yeah. in terms of finance. Because especially the second half of seasons when everyone's spent a lot of their season ticket money, it's the it's the teams that carry big away supports that yeah. you want to be playing if you're at home, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you see it on the. I mean, it's hard to compare the English Premier League to the Scottish Premiership because it's it's absolutely there's a different universe. But when you go from full stadiums down there and then they, they give you highlights of the, of the Scottish Premiership and it's Ross County against Livingston, and there's absolutely nobody yeah. in the ground, nobody because they're in the main stand and the cameras are in the main stand and there's no way support and, and people must be looking at that going, what is that all about? You know, this is a top flight game in Scotland and I absolutely accept that Livingston are in that division on merit and that's yeah. exactly the way it should be and that's mm -hmm. the way it's got to stay or we're dead in Scottish football but it's up to the other clubs it's up to the Falkirks of this world yeah. it's up to the Dunfermlands the Dundees to, yeah, to make sure to, to, look, at, to look, at what, look at what these teams have done and say we should be doing better we should be up there yeah. in the top flight something I've always been guilty of is when there's a problem in Scottish football you look at the organising mm -hmm. the, the authorities but sometimes maybe, maybe it's time that the fans started putting pressure on mm -hmm. these clubs because the clubs that carry supports there, there is five or six of them in recent years maybe decades that haven't performed the way they should and, and the owners should be on these clubs to get it right yeah in maybe. fairness their fans definitely do hold them to account you know I've covered mm -hmm. I covered yeah. them firmly yeah. a lot last season and the one thing the fans can be, <laughs> can't be can be accused of is, is any form of apathy when they're not achieving uh, their goals and 100% and if, if these if certain clubs you've mentioned a, a couple there but, you know your Falkirks and Dunfermlands they, they stand out particularly if they don't take that intrinsic advantage of having fan bases that are willing to turn out in numbers and, and fund the progress, then shame on them. You know, it's a, absolutely nobody to, to blame, but yeah, in an ideal world, yeah, of course, we, you know, you want these teams involved. We don't, we don't always help ourselves marketing-wise, so uh, I would just use an example of Kamarnock, and I know they do this for a competitive advantage, but it frustrates the, the life out of me, the way Kilmarnock deal with away supporters at Rugby Park, because what they do is they, they put them in the, the, the upper tier of the away stand, so when, when the game's on television, I mean, it was Dundee United games last season where Dundee United are filling the whole top tier, I, I went to the uh, Brof Kilmarnock game last season and that's on television and, and you're looking at, what, 12,000 people? But when the cameras are focusing behind it's the goal, uh, yeah, it looks empty seats. That, I mean, I know that I know they don't want the away support close to the pitch to give the away, the, the away team a lift from mm -hmm. seeing them, but it does not help um, the perception of Scottish football when you're looking at a row of empty yeah. seats. Would you, would you have rather had the better atmosphere and better optics have been close to the pitch or the better view have been in the upper tier? Oh, the atmosphere, for uh, every yeah. day of the week for me, atmosphere, um, I don't... I think the closer view, the pitch, view, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, I look, if I look from a supporter's perspective, if I go to Scotland games, um, my friend always books her tickets for Scotland games and he couldn't get his tickets for the, the north stand where we normally go. So we were in the south stand for the last round of fixtures and yeah, you can get a great view and everybody sits down and everything like that, but... I'd far rather be in the north stand where everybody's standing yeah. up and there's an atmosphere and, and you're struggling to see what's happening on the pitch. That, that's just me, you know. I remember at Motherwell going away back, Dundee were playing a game, I think it was a Boxing Day game. Um, I was under the Benetti's and... The fog. The fog had engulfed <laughs> the pitch. And I was at the time, Motherwell, you could sit in the top section or the bottom section. I mean, Dundee didn't have a lot of fans there, but you could take your choice. And of course, for a better view, we'd gone up to the top section but you couldn't see the bottom goal, you know, because of the fog. But Dundee kicked off, went down the park, and they actually scored. We didn't realise they scored, but the guys in the bottom section could actually see that. So they'd actually start <laughs> jumping up and down. And then you saw, I think it was Juan Sarah coming running out the fog towards the dugout. Say, yeah. Poor Juan scored and thought nobody loved him because there was no cheers. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, th I think, yeah, atmosphere, atmosphere is everything. I think Livingston could do themselves a few favours by swapping the cameras around, maybe. Although saying that, there are some games where 
the, the, the weigh-in is such with Hearts and Celtic and Rangers is run. So yeah. it's yeah. a balance. I probably, I, I take that back. You're probably right enough. Maybe just having it in the, in, uh, where, where they've got it is the ideal scenario. As it looks busier the majority of the time. Livingston actually benefit a lot from where they're located. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, because they're centrally located yeah. and there's big supports down in the central belt, mm -hmm. they quite often sell out the majority of yeah. their stadium yeah. based on the fact that the yeah. away supports are coming to their games yeah. but it's murder if you're trying to actually build a fan base uh, you know again yeah. it's again you know another from a, a former life another club that I covered a lot and I know but, uh, for a fact the frustration in, in the boardroom that if you're trying to build a young fan base and you've got Hearts and Hibs just there, and mm -hmm. you've got Rangers and Celtic just yeah, there. How do you how do you get kids to come? For yeah, how do you get kids yeah. to come to your games? So I, I, I think that's um, I think that's a real tough one for Livingston. Why I've got a lot of admiration for you know the young team with the drums yeah. that you know yeah. maybe fifty or so of them, and sometimes the people take the mic a little bit or whatever. But, but you know what? Fair play to them. At least teams, they're supporting their teams. Team. I.e. Dundee FC, mm. I've caught on to that fact, and I'm now, you're now seeing a few more stadiums where with, with a young sex and you're yep. drumming up, maybe you're like a yeah. bit of support. Yeah, it's happening at a broth as well. Yeah. It's, ha oh, it's happening great. across but Scottish football. You're right, teams like Livingston yep. introduced that just because they were in a stadium that a lot of the time was yeah, bereft yeah. of fans and they were creating some noise. Yeah, and, they, and, and give credit where credit's due. I know this isn't a Livingston podcast, but I know that they they go out in the community very regularly and hand out a lot of tickets to the community and 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 I know that people sometimes poo-poo that and they say, Oh look at that, you know, but but it does it does try to mm -hmm. to go some way to generating and to building a fan yeah. base. Um, because you never know. You, the young people go to these games and and they have a good day out, they have a fun day out and then they just want to go back. I mean my son's done that at a broth. He's, he's, he's gone, he's enjoyed himself and and now he wants to go there all the, because it's a, a place he feels happy. So um yeah, but I, I I suppose historically what we're talking about is there's there's teams with traditional uh, massive fan bases that if they're playing well then they'll turn out. Mm -hmm. So but I, I have to say in fairness to United fans, they turn out. They turn out. Yep, they've been when great. Not, they've been great. When not playing they've been great. You know, do you know what I will say? This Dundee United fans can can be big complainers. They will. They do. I mean, Alan will know this. They they can they can complain quite quickly about things, but they do. Put their money where their mouth is a lot of the time as well. They will they will buy a lot of merchandise and they will turn out week in, week out for games. Um don't get me wrong, they'll moan all week about the game, but then they'll turn up on the Saturday. Yeah. Um so credit where credit's due, they probably feel a, a sense of entitlement because they're putting money into the club that they feel their voice should be heard. And um yeah, I think I think that will give Dunyate a massive boost at the weekend if they you, turn out. You Eating into your chance to speak about our bros. <laughs> I've mentioned them already. <laughs> I throw them Several in all the times. Time. <laughs> uh, just before we do move on to uh, championship matters, Alan, I'm a bit disappointed in your notes here. It says ex Tanadice <laughs> favourite Noel Hunt. Now, surely if you wanted to write a notable thing about Noel Hunt, it would be ex Castle of Gowrie resident. I'm not biased here at all. <laughs> right, but I mean, I was going to go for ex uh, Dunfermline young player of the year. <laughs> so if we're going to talk about no, biases, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with geographical <laughs> bias. Yeah, bias. it's uh, no. I, I, I kind of uh, interesting uh, kind of side note from from this week is, is him taking the reins at Reading, and also the fact that Alex Ray was uh, departed yeah. as, as Reading's number two, a former Dundee manager. So very much in our wheelhouse, and um, to be honest. I can't say I've followed uh, Noel's coaching career too closely down south, but I know he's had an assistant's role at uh, Wigan and uh, sorry at Swindon. Wigan? Where on earth did I get that from? Uh, Swindon. So he's got a wee bit of experience there and um, kind of wishing him very well. I, I think he was such a kind of waspish, energetic firecracker of a player that I didn't necessarily picture him as a coach, no, uh, you know, or a, or a manager. Lo lovely but, boy, but he but never he never spoke about the game yeah. in a way that you thought he was an obvious one. But people are deeper than you can give them. Well, that's for that's exactly it. And I look at I was I think back to you know the time in the Edinburgh beat and someone like. Um, uh, Tony Mowbray, you know, the type of kind of rugged centre half that he was and put out the most beautiful football team as you can imagine, you know, kind of thinking back to Stephen Fletcher bringing us full circle, he was part of that team. So it's, um, you never, you can never judge a book by its cover in terms of coaching and sometimes players that play a certain way can make, uh, it can make, turn them into a certain type of coach and you, and you wouldn't necessarily expect it. So it'll be really interesting to see how he, he gets uh, on down there and I think there'll be a lot of people 
with her uh, fingers crossed for for, for no doing well because he's quite quite fondly uh, remembered up here. Not, yeah, he was not, a not lovely that lovely boy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great, a great story about Noel from his time at United, and this is to depress you and I, Bear, uh, because <laughs> you've now got guys going into management who are purely from the age of electronic communications. When he was a United player, he nearly ended up in court because he just assumed all his mail was junk mail and he'd forgotten to pay his council tax and he was just throwing <laughs> the reminders. He just thought, more junk mail, more junk mail. And suddenly, United United found out, like, son, you'll need it. Oh, I thought I'd paid it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Alan's description was wasp, that's what he reminds you of. Yeah, a pest. Yeah. He's a pest yeah, player, wasn't he? Was, he was. He was. Buzz, buzz about yeah, defenders. He was always there. He was. He was there all the Craig time. Levine loved to use him wide because he knew that defences looked at him and he's only, what, 5'8 mm -hmm. or something like that. And, and defences used to look at him and think, he's no a problem. Ball was on the other flank. He would come in at the back post yeah, yeah. and he was one of these guys that was just great leap and mm -hmm. he scored and so many goals came from him winning the ball at the back post when the other when the opposition were taken by surprise which suggests they should have done their homework it was like it was like uh, james grady at dundee yeah we you know yeah, you know a bit, a bit of a a bit of a dynamo and a yeah. dynamic little player and a pain in the neck a pain in the, that was it he's just always there he just couldn't get rid of him he always seemed to be hounding you and that's credit to him he, he's done well for himself and i hope he does well in management as well so good luck to him Anyway, time to move on. Bear. Yeah. Dundee. Brilliant. We're top of the league. <laughs> Have you slept? <laughs> I'll sleep if we're still top of the league in a fortnight's time, Tom. Uh, they've got themselves there. It's been a lot of hard work, I've got to say. Um, but they've finally managed to get themselves and, and buy themselves a bit of space as well. But results over the past week combined with obviously Queen's Park... Uh, sort of the way they've they've started faltering, but yeah, but also as much as that, they seem to have found the right formula, Tom. With the way they're playing games, um, obviously going back to last Saturday, our broth. It was a, I said on the podcast last week that I, that I thought that it might be their toughest game of the running, and it certainly was a tough game. I'm hoping that is their toughest game of the running because if we get a tougher one than that, they might not get a point. Uh, I thought it was, I mean. Walking to the game at Gayfield last week, it was a lovely day. There was a slight breeze, but then the, the teams came out and Derek Gaston took his first goal kick and he hardly got outside the penalty box. <laughs> I thought, where does that come from? You know, and it, I once was, saw a goal kick at Gayfield. This is the absolute true story. Down When I worked down there in the 80s, I saw a goal kick go out for a corner. I've seen that as well, yeah. yeah. It went out the box and went up yeah. and back but it was, over the bar. It didn't seem like that was really blowing a hoolie and it wasn't to be fair but there was a one there that was, uh, affected the game and it, it wasn't a fantastic game I've got to say uh, uh, Dundee the better first half had a couple of chances McMahon should have scored I think when he went through he had another fine shot that came back but the second half was scrappy a scrappy affair and I've got to say I was roomed at the I, I was I, I'd walked coming behind the goal and walked around to the halfway line to try and get a better view of the, the, the proceedings and I saw Michael McKenna's free kick side on, but just listening to the crowd, they must have been pretty close. Both of them, one went past one post, one went past the other post, Tom. You know, and I, I, to be to be honest, I've had both had scored. I didn't see Dundee scoring a goal on, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So there was a bit of disappointment coming out that game um, from Dundee fans. There was a couple of wrong ones. They had gone to the top of the league, but because they're a big support, I think they thought... We're going to go and run over the top, Arbor. Yeah. And that just wasn't going to nah. happen. So a point wasn't nobody the, does. A point wasn't the worst result in the world. And Gary Boyer said that after the game, let's see, it'll be a good point if we go and win the game on Tuesday. And then I have to say, I was not at the game on Tuesday because I was working, um, but I spoke to a few uh, friends who were, and Dundee on a terrible night for football. Dundee actually won the game well, and and encouragingly played good football as well. Now, there was a slight alteration up top, but they still managed to play good football. And that, they've put themselves in a, a fantastic position now. And you're, you're looking at the, at the tables. And I think it's a two-horse race, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't see Patrick Thistle, or while they're going well, you know, being able to get enough points to overhaul Dundee. So we're into a two-horse race now, and one of the horses is struggling badly, and it's not Dundee. Um, so, fingers crossed, they've got, they've got a tough one on Saturday against against 
Morton. They've not beaten Morton this season, but I'd like to point out. I don't think they've scored a no, goal they against Morton this season, which is rather concerning. But the way they are playing suggests if they go out and do that again, they will get the three points, which we spoke, I think Alan mentioned it on the post podcast a couple of weeks ago, that there's no way Dund- this is going to go to the last game. That Dundee could actually, you know, if results go in their favour and they look after their own performances, could have it wrapped up before that game, which I'm sure every, before that final game at Queen's Park, which I'm sure every Dundee fan. Yeah. And their puff will hope that it's, offense fits up. Like that. It's interesting what you say about that being a good point, because it is absolutely a good point. That point is the difference yeah. looking at the league table between Dundee being able to lose that game against Queen's Park and still win the league. Yeah. I was going to say or the, that the, game winning Queen's the, Park the league. Is, I mean Gary Boer Boyer called it, it as long as they beat Wraith on Tuesday, it's a very good point because basically and it's amazing. One game could really have decided mm. Uh, the championship, i.e., seven goals against Hamilton, because Dundee have Dundee have overhauled Queens Park are now comfortably ahead of them when it comes to goal difference. So if they go if they go to Queens Park, three points ahead on the final night of the season, yeah, it, it would take a, a catastrophic disaster for them not to get promoted. Going to kind of keep a bit of praise on on Bear here because not only with Dundee but with Dundee United, I can probably go back to. November or you know perhaps before that he was always quick to mention goal difference it's like people don't notice goal difference until you get to this stage of the season but it's it's, you know you never know if you're going to end up leveling points it is an extra point if you have superior goal and right now it's vital for Dundee United three points behind Kilmarnock with a better goal difference and it's vital for Dundee uh, three points ahead of Queen's Park with a better goal difference that's an extra point and but, you know, it's coming into focus now, but, you know, the smart clubs realise that long before yeah. now when it comes to getting big wins. And smart managers as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Also, Jim McLean, Alec Ferguson, two guys that, if they were 3-0 up and lost the goal in the last 10 minutes, they would go mental yeah. because they always had a goal difference factor in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got those, when you, we're, we're into it now and everybody will be looking at it and Dundee are aware of it, the other teams will be acutely aware of it now that you know the, the, the overhaul Dundee when you look at uh, I go to Partick this one I was watching the, the game last week and Partick did well against uh, Queen's Park I don't think Queen's Park really struggling at this point in time and from a Dundee fan's point of view I'm hoping that's going to continue to, to, through, through to the end of the season but uh, Partick played well got their, got their goals and, and, and Ricky Foss, uh, Foster I think was doing yeah was doing the company and he says Partick are right back in this Taylor's, but Dundee had two games in hand and were, were mm-hmm. ahead of them. And I thought, I wonder what he's saying now because they've got effectively got to get seven points yeah. to go past Dundee and Dundee and Dundee to collapse effectively. I think I think Dundee you know. I think Dundee have won the league and I think no I wouldn't have no, no no I'm gonna no I'm gonna say I'm gonna say and, and my reasoning isn't because I'm confident he's no coming back. no no my reasoning isn't because I'm confident that Dundee will win all their last four games it's because I don't think Queens yeah. Park will yeah. win their last four games um, I think actually looking at the fixtures that are coming up I think the toughest one for Dundee coming up is Inverness away yeah. by quite a considerable distance and that's not just because of the journey and historically and everything like that it's because of the the level of form that Inverness are picking up at the moment and because what they've got to play for they're trying to get in the playoffs and I think they could be dark horses if they get in the playoffs I saw them play against Abroaf on Tuesday night and whilst they're not a spectacular side they're very well organised every player knows their job um, they can be stuffy to play against and as Kilmarnock no they beat them in the cup um, they, they they could be the sides that cause Dundee problems but then I'm also looking at the fixture list and try to work out when Dundee will win the league because I'm saying they're going to win the league mm-hmm. and I think it will be Cove Rangers at yeah. home. Yeah, um, it's, it's you know it's, it's funny. I, I think our local lad and boyhood Dundee fan Simon Murray has done his, his team a big favour <laughs> by buggering off to Ross County because yep. that's a that's such a big miss and you saw his goal was winning uh, the the one that opened the scoring at McDermott Park against St Johnston. He's quality. He's a finisher and he's I think. Uh, I've got a lot of time for Queen's Park and their squad and the experience. They've got some good players there and, uh, and they're a good side, but they've really missed Simon Murray. He's a he's a, a natural goal scorer. He's a leader. He's a big personality. He's an experienced player. And um, I think he's been a, a big loss and um, maybe uh, Dundee fans uh, raising a glass to, to uh, him. For... Uh, well, <laughs> funnily enough, having bummed him up on last week's programme, 
I was in Tesco last Friday, <laughs> and who came in but Bobby Lynn? Oh, I really like and, and one of the points Bobby made right away is he, he, he was like, oh, well, he's obviously wanting to beat Dundee. Traitor. <laughs> I should have kicked him. But one of the points he said, he said, I, I still think Dundee are our favourites because he said, when Queen's Park had Simon Murray, it could be a nothing game mm-hmm. that yes. they would win because Simon would pop up with mm-hmm. a goal and he said, they don't, they're, he said, they're a good team. Well set up, but they don't have that thing where, in a tight situation, they've got an obvious player who's who can just win, and that's often what wins you. Yeah. Uh, wins well, your they're leagues, they're actually struck. They're actually. Uh, it's not defensive. Obviously, they lost four 0 against Partick Thistle, but it's not just defensive. They are struggling in yeah. attack. They yeah. ran out of ideas against Arbroath, and Arbroath beat them. Um, uh, you could see sixty minute marking. I was I, I was the most comfortable. I thought mm. when I when I, I was very comfortable at one 0 that night. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was and very then... comfortable. I thought they're they're not going to score against Arbroath, and and it's strange because of the level of creativity they've got. They've got Dom Thomas, who as Alan will know from Dunfermline, he's very very imaginative player and stuff like that. But they they just they run out of ideas, I've and got, I'm, I'm not... worried. I'm I'm I'm. I want Queens Park to beat Hamilton I've, on I've Friday, say, but I'm not sure I they mean, will. Queen's Park, I mean, I don't know what the contract situation was with Simon Murray, but he was signed to the end of the season. Mm. I'm pretty sure of that. Yes, but he signed a pre-contract. He signed a pre-contract. Yeah. And, then, and then it forces then, the hands yeah. and, then, and, and then you're wondering but if you're still, a manager, do you um, want a yeah. player that's, that wants a way to... I remember, to, bizarrely... It was your top scorer. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember it because I remember we talked about it. Bizarrely, Simon got on the Queen's Park team bus <laughs> to go up to Inverness, got off the bus... His pre-contract became a contract for Ross yeah. County and he was on the bench that That's night up in Dingwall. It's, 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 it's amazing the way it worked out. What, what puzzled me a wee bit, and in other circumstances, so it was naivety. Queen's Park have spent a bit of money. Hmm. They've got a, a, a very experienced manager, and Owen Coyle, a very experienced chief executive or whatever exactly a title hmm. is, and Leanne Dempster. I would, have, I would have thought they were saying to the owners and there's a good chance there were. Now, don't don't take 20, 30 grand yeah. for Simon. Take that. Take the hit because he, it'll well, be worth more no, if he gets us promoted. I mean, we talked about Stephen Fletcher. Simon Murray would not have down tools because he's no, Ross County. He's not that sort of... No, he's not. He's not. I think Queen's get, get away with it because, and we'll go back to fan bases, if Dundee had been yeah. top of the league and had jettisoned the, the, the striker that was contracted <laughs> to them, even if he had signed a, a, a pre-contract, the fans would have been up in arms. Yeah. Fairness to Queen's yeah. Park, maybe Dundee, that was the period where Dundee had been going, yeah. just started That's off, right. off. Yeah. but Dundee looked like run. they might surge away, and yeah. Queen's Park maybe said, well, you know, and, and, and actually, I said this to, to Bobby Lynn when I met him last week, I feel a wee bit for Queen's Park, because if Queen's Park finished second now, mm. a lot of the fans will be disappointed. But it's been a hell of a season, like it was yeah. for our growth. Yeah. But the way yeah. the, the mechanics of things sometimes, yeah. what, what yeah, should be a great thing and will be looked back on, at the time you're disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got I've, to say, in the way they play, I mean, I've watched them this season. They're a fantastic team. They play football. Own has got them set up great. Mm-hmm. Just, what's happened is they've lacked, coming into the final straight here, I mean, they still can. They still can win it. They still can. Let's, let's, let's make that quite clear. But yeah. they're, up, they're up against it. Now. They seem to have lost it by form. What they've lacked them is that they've lacked a bit of real quality. They've lacked definitely lacked experience of being in this position yeah. and knowing how how to get over the line. But if he's I imagine a lot of these players are contracted and Owen Coyle will get the chance to to, to, to build on that as well. And so they're, they're a good side, they're not going to go away. Yeah, I but mean what, that's the that's the key thing to say about Queen's Park is you know, for all that they might be faltering. Dundee deserve the, the credit for piling the pressure on mm-hmm. and yeah. Queen's Park's struggles and dropping points mean nothing if Dundee don't take advantage and you know Gary Boyer's been uh, you had ups and downs this season but he seems to have stumbled upon uh, particularly in the two up front he seems to have stumbled upon a formation that, that suits the team and yeah, as Bear said, to actually play a bit of nice attacking football in the conditions in midweek speaks volumes. And and in recent weeks, just I think there'll be a lot of smug fans out there because I think they've been calling for two up front for a while, and that yes. seems to have brought the best out of Dundee during the run in. And just with the momentum, I just I'm I'm with you, and I mean I have no skin in this game other than wanting to see Dundee and Dundee United mm-hmm. in the top flight. I, I think they'll win the league. I've got absolutely no doubt. And I said before a ball was kicked, they should win the league. So I think that'll be. 
You two aren't making us feel any better. <laughs> no, they're definitely they're definitely winning the league. There's absolutely no doubt. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do you know what they've done this season, right? For all their faults, Dundee, that I've noticed and I'm I'm looking from afar. I'll I'll be I've paid actually to go in and watch them a couple of times. Um <laughs> well, that, none of that talk yeah, here. Yeah. Only only because because the, the results impacted our growth. Um but um what they what they have done is in the in the games where it's really, really mattered. You know, I can think about Air United at home. I can think of Queens Park at home. Even that Reef Rovers game at home, because that because yeah. it gave them that monumental switch of, of having a three point mm. advantage. They've turned up on those games, and that's 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 the games where I think you win the win the title. You know, yeah, they've slipped up in games where you think, oh God, why, how have they done that? You know, I think they dropped points to Cove Rangers and things like that. You mm. know, and you're thinking what they've done, but they've turned up when it's you mattered. You tipped them to win the league against Cove Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're not well. Listen, it's a different game. It's different, but that was earlier in the season. They're a different, different beast now. And I think the one player we talk about the two up front is Zach Robinson. What a difference he makes! One of the yeah. games that I went to was that Cove game, and I think they were they weren't struggling against uh, Cove, but they weren't they weren't getting the goals. And then Zach Robinson came on, they and could be out came on, and they transformed the, their their performance. And Zach Robinson wasn't playing at Gayfield on Saturday, and. I think Tam O'Brien and Ricky Little had a fairly comfortable afternoon. Yeah. Um, uh, they did, they did, because I think with the greatest respect to Yukubiak, I don't think he really caused them many problems at the weekend. So um, I think Zach Robinson getting him back in January because he was obviously back down the road. Getting him back is could actually be the difference between Dundee being second and Dundee winning the title. Yeah. Bit of credit yeah. to Gary Boyer uh, and a bit of credit to James McPeak as well. If you look at Jakubiak's time at Dens, most players would have moved on. Mm-hmm. Most players would have been moved on, but but managers saw something in him that even even when he was loaned in Partick, I think it was mm-hmm. last season, James McPake said, this is to get him games because he's yeah. had injuries. But but he wasn't making an impact no. over a reasonable period of time. But, but managers have looked at him and said, no, I want this lad around the squad. We want to try to get him match fit. And then see because we think he's got something to offer, and him and Robinson have yeah. they've been doing great, haven't they? Well, I was very surprised when he got a new contract, mm-hmm. Tom, because he's hardly kicked the ball for Dundee. But look, you're seeing a player now what he's got to offer, and it's purely down to fitness. He's he's been blighted by injuries. He's not had a run of games, um, and the, the formation, the setup Dundee are playing now, you know, the two of them, I think, they actually stay in the same block of flats together they're very clo- they seem as close friends but they're close on the park as well and you, you know the Randy Cole and Teddy Sheringham yeah, hated each yeah. other but they still played well together but you you know the absolute benefit of having a, a strike pair up front yeah. that works yeah. and we've we been crying we, we're in that we could go back to you at Dens you know and you always remember uh, coin and right that's going away mm-hmm. back you know but, but if you've got two guys up front who know what each other are doing are making the right runs you know you're a step ahead of the game uh, it's just a, a lot's made in modern football now because a lot of teams play with one out and out central striker mm-hmm. whereas it used to be in the days of 4-4-2 being the norm you were always looking for that pair up front but I mean I, I watched Real Madrid again last night and, it, and it's it's a slightly different dynamic in yeah. terms of position but Benzema and the boy, I've forgotten his name, Invictus, yeah. the Brazilian winger, they're at the most dangerous when these two are close. What's yeah. his name again? Vinicius Jr. I excuse him. Was that like a Greek god or something you were talking about there, Invictus? Or <laughs> you, you thought you were a world superstar, son, but I can't even remember your name. Yeah. But, but the point being, when these two are close together, yeah. they're at their most yeah. dangerous in the final third. No, and, and, and if you can get a relationship... Like that between two attacking players, it's a hell of a thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. We're not getting carried away, but we've just compared them ah. to Benzema and Vinny Jr. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very much feet on the ground here. Well, even I wouldn't exaggerate their bro attack that much. Yeah, no, and to be fair, Gary hey, Boyer, I'm Gar- not saying they're Bobby yeah. Lynn. Gar- no, they're not Gar- quite Gar- that Gar- level yet. He's he's going traditional here, four four two. He's basically saying Dundee are playing two wide men, two strikers. You've got Lyle Cameron sitting in behind, so you've got five. Yeah, five attack attacking threat. Yeah. You've got five defenders who are not giving much away. That's a not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad situation to be in. Eh? They're, they're, they've found it. They've found their mojo and uh, the door. I said the door's open. They've got to go through. It. They've gone through it now. What they've got to do, Tom, is shut it behind them and leave these teams. Don't give them 
go and get the three points against Morton on Saturday, even if, if, if Cove win on, on Friday night, uh, sorry, not Cove, uh, Queen's Park win on Friday yeah. night against Hamilton, go and do your job and keep that gap. And as Alan's pointed out, you know, you get to the last game, you're, even if you're sort of three points clear, you've got that ex, extra goal difference of, Mm-hmm. Well, what is it sitting? It's just now nine or ten, eleven. So yeah. don't don't yeah. lose six now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm actually so confident that Queens Park are going to capitulate that Partick will finish second, mm-hmm. and I think I think Inverness will sneak in and take out the United's place say, in the playoffs. It's never a perfect weekend, is it, Dundee fan, and or a perfect week. And the thing that that didn't happen that you would have liked to happen is. Morton and Inverness, mm-hmm. who Inverness in particular we were banking on them having their minds on the semi, which so was the that. game after they played Dundee. But suddenly they're, they're yeah. right in the race yeah, for playoff places again. And I've got to take my hat off to Billy Dawes because he yeah. had horrendous injury. Mm-hmm. Pro- I mean, real, real serious problems where he was having to virtually haul guys out the under-18 team to play in, in games for them. Um, and now, people will say that's that's not Dundee FC's fault. He's a squad's obviously no big enough, but... You know, when when you at the start of the season, Inverness would be a threat. They've got a good manager. They've got this, the backbone of a really good team for, for that level. And, and you expected that to make a challenge. But you're seeing them coming out. In terms of this title, it's obviously too late. But you're right. They have got, they've got a chance of getting yeah. into the playoffs. And as you say, you wouldn't have bet against them in the playoffs. But no. <laughs> but the form team coming in, winning a lot mm-hmm. of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that game, we'll worry about that next week. But it, it looks like there will be... Inverness will have something to play for, I would imagine. Uh, that'll be up. Well, yeah, well, they'll, they'll absolutely, absolutely will. You know? Queen's Park and Air face each other before the end of the season yeah. as well. So somebody, somebody above them is yeah. dropping points. Yeah, but Air, uh, Queen's Park have got to go to Morton as well. Yeah. I've got to say it's a real, they've got a real tough, tough run. It's famous last words, and you know, Touchwood. This isn't something Dundee United even need to bother themselves with. But I think the the importance of not finishing bottom in the Premiership is. It is huge because I really do think the team that eleventh will stay mm. up with a bit to spare. I mean, I I don't I don't see any of the teams below Dundee um, beating the team that finishes eleventh in the Premiership. Um, I've you know, watched a, a fair bit of Championship football this season, and I've watched a fair bit of mm. Dundee United against uh, the the teams at the lower echelons of the Premiership, and even in struggling seasons, I think Command at Ross County and Dundee United are all far superior yeah. to Queens Park, Partick Thistle, Aran and Furness. I would so agree you, with you with one, but yes, yeah, so would I. If for some reason that team was St Johnston, because because I think what had a lot to do with Dundee as well as they did when they, the last time they were promoted via the playoffs was Kilmarnock crashed. If the team that's in a... Li- disappointing as it would be, yeah, United, so Ross County yeah, and Kilmarnock yeah. have been battling down there for a while. And pick Suddenly after there. last weekend, St Johnston are looking over their shoulder and I think sometimes mm. if a team unexpectedly, unexpectedly rather, collapses in late games, that gives... The, the How do you hold that slide? How do you yeah. hold that massive slide? Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. But I, th- I agree with Alan. I think. Yeah, it's, it's I think. I mean, if heaven forbid Dundee do finish second and 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 in the that's playoffs, that's different. I, I would Dar- say that's I, a different I, I game. Went to yeah. Match. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. I went to Derby well, match. I'd I, cry. I would, that's the factor yeah. you're missing as well as the potential for Ross County and Inverness in the playoffs, and then that changes the dynamic again. That's a good shout. That that completely changes the dynamic. Then you know so. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm with you in terms of the level of quality. I agree with that. But I think nah, that if some it's Inverness because such we've, we've touched on this before. Such as it weighted in favour of the Premier League. I haven't checked, but very often the Scottish Cup finals one day and the playoff finals the next day. The league would probably make them play these two <laughs> games those days. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you know, it'd be remiss of us to bring you all this way from our broth. Yep. Without mentioning our both in a wee bit of detail, I have to say I was a wee bit surprised. Uh, I mean, Bobby Lynn was took great delight in highlighting to me the fact, for all he's got dark blue blood in his veins, that he's got a habit of scoring against Dundee. I thought, last 10 minutes, he should have been on that pitch. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's t- I feel a wee bit for Bobby this season, to be honest with you, because I think that um, he's been sacrificed more often than not, you know, and I, and I think, and, and, I'm a, and I'm a big fan of Dick Campbell and I'm not wanting to pick his team or anything, but I am also with the, the large swathes of our bro fans who think that Bobby Lynn could be used a bit more in the team. Um, but 
I think the reasoning is that he feels he needs people in that are going to track back more, that are going to work harder. But I still think that Bobby would do that. I, we touched um, on this last week. I, I think, think he's it's, such a clever yeah. sub. He comes on, and yes. if they need a goal, he's dangerous. Yeah. If they need to protect the lead, yeah, he, yeah, he can keep the ball down work. the corner. I mean, he did come on the other night at Inverness, so he, he did come on and he got a good 25 minutes at Inverness, which was great. But you're right, against Dundee, I was actually sitting there thinking he loves playing against Dundee and he loves playing against Dundee United as well. Um, even though I think he scored, uh, I think he scored a winning uh, goal against uh, Dundee United um, a few years back, and he then did. he got and he got out to his car and discovered he had a parking ticket. So, <laughs> so but he's lucky. Uh, what he didn't tell you was the parking ticket was always left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we noticing your car, your car someone else? But um, no, I think I'm, I'm with you on that, and I think he's got a bit of a spark about him. And, um, the one thing I don't really want to see, and I, and, and I fear it might happen, is that I don't want this to peter out and this to be Bobby Lynn's sort of like last season at Arbroath. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it is possible. He's not signed a new deal yet. He's had his testimonial year. Um, he's been an absolute, he is a legend at the club. There's no doubts about it. And I think he'll always love Arbroath. But will there be a part of Bobby Lynn, even if he's offered a deal, thinking, I want to play week in, week mm -hmm. out now? And maybe I need to drop down a, a division to go and play week in, week out? Because there'll be plenty of clubs in League maybe One. Maybe you could sign a contract would... and drop down a division here. Yeah. No, but there would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We'll, we'll be a championship side I mean, next that's season. That's a big question. Yeah. Are they going to stay up? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent, right? And um, I'm probably even more confident about a bro staying up than I am about Dundee winning the league. Genuinely, um, well, they're one of the form teams in the league yeah, just now. Yeah, I mean, I keep I keep going through, and you probably do this as Dundee fans as well. You look at the league table and you work out who's playing who and everything, and you think, right? Well, if we win that game and they lose that game and everything like, I've been doing that uh, a lot, and I think. Friday night is massive for a broth and they're not even playing. That's if, if Queen's Park can turn up and get a result after me dissing them against Hamilton, <laughs> then a broth have got a real chance against a side, Wraith Rovers, who have got nothing to On play for. Got nothing to play for. They're the only team in the division that's got nothing to play for. They can't go up, they can't go down. And um, no players. Yeah, no players, yeah, depleted squad. Um, a broth have actually done well at Wraith Rovers over recent years as well. They actually... on technically won the league uh, title there when uh, Colin Hamilton scored the winning goal there a few years ago in League One. Um, I think that could be pivotal. Uh, Cove Rangers play Inverness at the weekend. So I'm in my head, I'm thinking if results go away and a broth can turn up, there'll be six points clear with three games to go. Um, so For the other two less biased Arbroath observers, is, would your one worry be that, as they say, they are pretty much one of the form teams in the division right now. But, but Hamilton seemed to keep managed to just keep in touch with them. You'd be a wee bit, be, wee bit worried that what if you have another rocky spell in the last four games? I don't think be worried about that at all. I think uh, the the momentum my both have got um, is quite sufficient that they can say to themselves, we'll just keep winning our games and not bother about Hamilton. That Hamilton Hamilton's ability to have complete mind farts and lose games badly would be, I think, is more pertinent to the run-in than, than a broth because I think a broth are, are solid, functional. They're not going to have days where they ship seven goals. As, yeah. Whereas Hamilton... Hamilton seem to beat, just, beat teams and then yes, get hammered they're more, the they're more, You don't want to be streaky at this point yeah. of the season, I would suggest. And I, I, I mean, Ewan's the expert, so I can't add much more on what he, he said. But what I would say is, I think they deserve an immense amount of credit. I thought you meant an expert on streaks. Uh, I'm trying to work out what I'm an expert <laughs> on here, I'm whistling. But uh, a growth in general. <laughs> but uh, Dick Campbell and uh, I would say Mike Caird as well, the chairman, deserve immense credit for the turnaround. Um, in January because the the amount of all they've effectively from the outside they've looked at that squad and go it's not working what we've done last summer didn't work the team's only going one direction and they have ripped up and started again they've signed so many players you know I look at guys like um, experienced boys like Ryan Dow I think it's a really clever sign and he's such a good character about the place and but they brought in way beyond that several several new players and building a squad, signing anybody in January is tough. It's a nightmare of a window. But see, actually improving and building effectively, you know, a, not a completely new starting eleven, but plenty of um, additions and making it gel in such a short time is an achievement that should not be over overstated. That's because they were only going at January first. That club was only going one direction. Come end of February, when that you know when the, the squads are cemented, 
they've a completely new team and a completely different style of team and it's gelled and it's working and they're getting out of trouble and that's really impressive really yeah, impressive I, I take your point uh, I, and it's good to mention Mike Caird as well and I think it is twofold what happened there I think there was an admission there was a hands up for Dick Campbell and, and Pink um, his assistant saying we got it wrong in, in August and uh, we, we, we recruited poorly and we got it wrong and that, and that's that takes a bold state because you're almost saying well I've not done my job properly here then at that point, I think it was actually November point, actually, they, they started, the, the admissions came in and um, I both looked and thought, right, we're going to do this professionally. And they got ahead of recruitment and they got Barry Sellers in. So Barry Sellers then took some of the pressure away from Dick Campbell and allowed them to coach. And he's been doing a hell of a lot of work behind the scenes to try and identify, to to communicate and to, to recruit players. And then, of course, it's the, it's the board which Abrofa are, are a very ambitious forward-thinking club right now, and they said we'll back you to the hill in terms of finances here. If you if you identify the correct players, we'll back you. So you're right. I think it's all worked together well, and um, hopefully it's enough to get them over. And the optimist in me thinks that if we can get through this season and survive, I don't think Abrofa will be in a relegation battle next season. I think that they'll be challenging for a playoff position at the other end of the table. Well, you heard it here first. It's not the council semi. We've got this strange house that's four up, nothing doing. <laughs> if you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tannadice or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.